All right, guys, we are live with another episode of Fire Builders Live. My name is Josh Corporal, and we are streaming live from Key West, Florida. Today, I have an amazing guest. I'm super excited to talk with you, Lyndon, Mermaid Lyndon. Lyndon Wilbert, welcome to the show. Hey, Josh, thank you so much for having me on the show. And shello, see fans out there. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> shello to all of you. Uh, <laughs> and so, so before we get into all the cool stuff that we're going to be talking about today with regards to edutainment, uh, before, if you're just listening, if you're tuning in right now and you, uh, uh, this is your first time on Fire Builders Live, basically the premise of this show is that we just bring on amazing people, these guest experts, and we break down big ideas into small steps, things that you can do every day to get better. And today is a super interesting episode because one, Lyndon is the first ever mermaid that we have ever had on the show, which is an incredible feat in itself, but not no only, feet. No, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a no feat in itself. Uh, but not only are you a professional mermaid, you're a filmmaker, model, you're a YouTube celebrity, uh, you are honestly the most famous, one of the most famous mermaids in the world, arguably one of the most successful professional mermaids in the world. And you've been on places like CNBC, The Today Show, Inside Edition, Discovery Channel on Shark Week. Uh, you, but not only that, you graduated with uh, you know a degree in film and environmental studies from Emerson. You've got this amazing YouTube channel, uh, which has the show called Mermaid Minute. Some of those episodes garnering over 20 million views. I mean, you just, you've, you've done it all, not only like from a digital point of view, but also uh, you're extremely creative and a go-getter when it comes to this kind of stuff. Like you own your own product line of different, you know, different types of, um, of dive products for future mer people in training. I mean, there's not much that you're not doing these days. And so again, thanks for taking the time to show up and, uh, and honestly, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh. I, I feel like I want to hide in my hair. <laughs> that was um, a very lovely intro. Thank you. I'm humbled. I truly am equally impressed with your resume. And for those of you out there who may just be tuning in for the first time, because you're a follower of mine, you've got to also check out Fire Builders, check out Josh's site and his work because wow also a very impressive array of accomplishments, experiences, and pursuits that continue to grow. So thank you, Josh. It's so cool to be here. Thank you. Thank you. That's a, that's a very nice of you to say. I really appreciate it. I, uh, you know, I, I'm just excited to have you here because there's so many interesting things that we can talk about, about your life. I mean, you must get this all the time, of course, with the professional mermaid and how you ended up that way. That is, I'm sure, the biggest question on people's minds right now. So if you would indulge us just for a second, how, how did you get started bec- like being a professional mermaid? Where did it all start? Hmm. Um, well, the, the kind of historic but truncated version of it is when I was a little merling and I was just running around with legs, not realizing I could have fins. Uh, I just always loved wildlife documentaries and nature as a whole. I grew up in Amish country, Pennsylvania, far from the ocean, loved going to the beach when we would occasionally on a rare magical vacation get to go to the Jersey Shore or Ocean City, Maryland or wherever we would go. And um, I just always wanted to be near the ocean. 
So the, the creatures of the sea fascinate me more than anything else, um, wildlife, natural history. And I would watch PBS because we were in a place where we didn't even have cable for much of my youth. So I was watching wildlife documentaries on PBS and namely Jacques Cousteau, any BBC documentaries, things like that. And I was just riveted. I would record them on our little Betamax deck as I date myself and rewatch them until the sound wore out. So that that's really the impetus for me wanting to become an underwater wildlife documentary filmmaker. Um, and I do that now on a smaller scale. Uh-uh. Uh, scale. Yeah. Oh man. For those of you that are listening, that will not be the first mermaid pun that you hear on this show. I guarantee it. No, <laughs> it's, they're going to be, you can't even fathom how many more there are, but um, it's, yeah, it's, it's really fun to take a childhood passion and something that was a seed planted when I was little and now being able to, and having the love and support of the people around me, my friends and my family who believed in these crazy little dreams I had never could I have dreamed it would manifest into a career of being a mermaid. But I thought, gosh, what a neat way to get kids and anyone excited about learning about the ocean through this conduit of a mythical creature that is half fish and half human who speaks on behalf of the ocean creatures, but is in the form as well and communicates with humans. It's That's such, the short. <laughs> it's such a cool idea. It's such a cool premise. And it's, it, and it's, you just like, I feel like you as a person had the natural recipe for this to just happen to you. I mean, with the interest in oceanography uh, and learning about uh, how oceans were being conserved, number one, but also being filmed, being like portrayed on film. And now you just have an incredible platform to do this with. Uh, the, the Mermaid Minute, by the way, I've watched a couple of episodes and that is that like the the production quality for that kind of thing. Those things that you put out there were amazing. And I'm just so impressed with what you've been able to do. Thank you. (laughs) I really, that means so much because, and this is, you know, this is getting into those of you who are watching that have a dream or are already in pursuit in the middle of creating your dreams and growing them continuously and realizing they're much bigger than you thought, which has constantly happened to me. I'll start with something and then I'm like, oh, but what about this? Oh my gosh, I got this done and accomplished this. What if I try this and expand on it? And things compound, you know, interest can compound, which is never fun, but so can your dreams. So that's the fun part about starting to follow a dream is when you achieve a, a little one, then you have this confidence that builds and then you can keep going. So, and that kind of rolls into your ethos of having these little digestible steps and things that you can do. And it, it's like that for me with dreams, you know, with, with ideas and concepts that we have. Um, it's just so much fun to, to start something. And again, you know, with the production quality and value of Mermaid Minute, I have two seasons and uh, hopefully many more to come. Uh, but the first season was a little lower um, budget, like zero. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then I, I did a crowdsource funding uh, Kickstarter for season two. And it was amazing, the support and sand dollars and love and words that came from people all over the world, friends, family, perfect strangers, school teachers, parents. And season two, I think is a lot cooler because I turned into a cartoon and actually transform through the each little episode so it's really fun i think that's so awesome and you know that mermaid minute is going to be one of those shows where 
as these kids that are watching get older, they are going to look back on a lot of what shaped them as kids. And they're going to say, oh, man, I totally remember Mermaid Mermaid Linden, like teaching me about sea turtles, you know, and things like that. That's going to be that's going to be like a foundational element of people's lives as they get older. It oh, will. my gosh. You're going to make me cry. I, I, I hope that's true. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I, I, I completely I just I think that what you're doing is, is incredible. And I'm sure, you know, because everybody wants to do a lot of video they want you know that that is essentially the way to communicate these days via the internet is to create videos and it's hard to hold people's attention let alone to do it in a way where you're trying to educate them it feels like once you feel like you're being taught to via the video then you're like nope i'm done like i'm out right and so there's definitely an art to making it engaging and at the same time like making it educational so people walk away with a message um, how does that, did you learn a lot of, of the, the, those basic foundations in film school? Uh, honestly, I didn't learn about edutainment, um, in film school. We learned a lot of amazing things, but as, as I always feel you get out of anything, what you put into it. So, you know, if I just had sat there and taken my classes, um, I would have learned a lot of different skill sets and, and fundamentals of, um, you know, foundational storytelling, the history of filmmaking. Um, but for me, um, there wasn't really anything specific to documentary or, or ocean education um, when I was at Emerson. Uh, we had a science department that was uh, really wonderful. And this incredible man named Alan Hankins started the science department at Emerson and was a huge mentor of mine. So everything I do um, has his heart in mind because he became a professor at Emerson because he knew that film students and television students would become producers, directors, storytellers. And he wanted the information about ocean conservation, uh, natural history on land, science in general to get to the public in a cool way. And that's a great way to do it. We've learned that. I mean, look at the impact that just one movie, I'm going to say two notes, da da. <laughs> what impact? And that wasn't even a documentary. Look at the impact that that one film had on an entire oceanic species that still is impacting us today. And Peter Benchley, the director of Jaws, regretted the negative impact that it had on sharks um, and people then therefore being afraid of them and killing them. And it was very detrimental. So he spent much of the rest of his life trying to reverse that um, opinion about sharks from the Jaws movie. So look at the power of media. Look at the power of films and television. So it's pretty neat to be able to have this broad spectrum of audience that we've never had until really the past hmm, decade in history with YouTube and Vimeo and Facebook and all these outlets. It's it's awesome. It's awesome, and it's an awesome like responsibility, right? The that the amount of power that you have to influence, like you said, people's perception of a certain thing or a certain topic is immense when you, when you start to create video. You, um, and I think that using that power for good like, is, is certainly the way to go, but also to, to, um, to get people involved, like to try and have them take some kind of action. It's incredibly important. I'm just curious, just because as you were talking about this and then you mentioned Jaws, uh, nowadays, what 
shows and programs do you see out there that have had the most impact on you uh, with regards to ocean conservation? Oh my gosh. There are so many incredible documentaries from uh, past and present that are so great. I mean, I, I am such a science geek in nature. Just I'm so passionate about nature. So topside or underwater documentaries always have my heart. So the BBC Planet Earth and Oceans documentaries, all of those, anything on PBS, whether it's Nova. I mean, I grew up watching, uh, of course, Jacques Cousteau. I still rewatch some of the, I have yes. all the, the, the collection of all the DVDs and I'm sure they're available to stream online too, but I, I still have a DVD player and I still watch them sometimes <laughs> in my little, my little grotto theater I created. But um, anything that, that takes a viewer someplace that they may never go themselves. And that was what was so magical about being a kid in Amish country, Pennsylvania. I had this little window into the oceans and it was because of these programs. So I, any wildlife documentary that uh, you can access, whether you, if you do have cable and you do have PBS or the BBC, um, all of those programs. And each one has a different narrator. Of course, I love Sir David Attenborough. Oh, my God. You know, in my imagination, he narrates my life. It's like, oh, you know, she's walking down the steps. She saw the frog to the left and thought hip hop, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> um that was a very poor impersonation of Sir David. I, sorry, everyone. Thing. But it's it, the different things resonate with different people. So different styles of filmmaking and storytelling techniques sometimes resonate better. Um, different types of camera movements, music, narration. So I think find your own fingerprint of wildlife documentary that really resonates with you. Maybe it's one specific filmmaker over another. Um, underwater wildlife documentaries. Oh my goodness. I love Howard and Michelle Hall. Um, they have produced and directed and filmed all around the world and have a ton of incredible content. Um, and it's on Vimeo too. So just look up Howard and Michelle Hall as well. They were a huge inspiration to me um, before and as I was beginning my career. That's awesome. I've never heard of them before. I'm going to look them up. Uh, I also am curious as you talk about this and you talk about the idea of it resonating with you as a person, figuring out what it is that you want to say to the world and then the best way to say it. What do you think is most important as, as people are listening to this and they want to create their own videos and their own edutainment? Um, what do you think is more important? Is it the content and the way that you break down potentially complex ideas and make them accessible to people? Or is it the tools that you use to get there, like having the, the camera and making it look a little bit more professional or less? Which one is more important in your mind? Oh, that's such a great question, Josh. Um, so in my opinion, you can do a lot with a little. And proof of this is just through my own experience. Everyone has their own unique experiences. But for me, I was able to, I worked to understand how to do good storytelling. And I also <laughs> used my niece as a really great sounding board. You know, as I was producing these shows, um, I would upload the rough cuts or the fine cuts and I would message them to my sister and say, hey, can you have, wa have Reese watch this and see what she says? Does she get it? You know, have someone in the age demographic that you're targeting or in the audience, the type of audience that you want to be receiving these messages, watch these things. But Getting back to, um, like, for example, Mermaid Minute season one, I produced that with practically no budget. I actually borrowed equipment 
Um, at the time, I didn't even have my own tripod, my own um, HD camera. Um, you know, at the time, it was total. Oh my gosh! I think I I bought um, fabric at Joanne Fabrics to create a green screen. I didn't even buy an actual green screen. And I green screened myself. I had to learn how to chroma key in Final Cut. I use Final Cut Pro as my editing software that I've always used and just stuck with because I'm a creature of habitat, as they say. But yeah, I, I think you can do a lot with a little and you get creative and really uh, use your resources, ask people for support. People want to help you. When you have a dream, and and a vision, if you are contagiously enthusiastic about it, which I'm guilty of doing this a lot, people are like, oh my gosh, that sounds great. And then people want to support that dream because it's neat to see people achieve their goals. At least I love that. You know, I love it. And whenever someone calls it like, oh my gosh, Lyndon, it, what would you recommend for this? I'm always like, oh dude, you can do this with next to nothing. Let's talk through this, you know, borrow a GoPro. Um, record your audio on your iPhone, just in your in your uh, voice uh, memos, and then you can synchronize those. And it's actually really decent audio quality with zero budget. You didn't have to buy a mic, you didn't have to buy a recorder of any kind or spend uh, tons of money on it. Um, you can set things up really inexpensively. And, um, you know, storytelling, you can do things a la carte, you know, you can purchase just one-off um, royalty-free music, licensing video clips that you might need that you don't have yourself. Um, and there are even sites that you can do a one-time membership for a year and have unlimited downloads. Um, a really great one for that is Storyblocks. I love Storyblocks. I've used Pond5. Um, some of them are more expensive than others, but again, you can do that one-off a la carte just as, as needed. You can get things like if you find one little theme song you love that you want to be the opening of your show or your webinar, webisode, whatever you're doing, creating on YouTube or other, elsewhere, you can just be like, okay, that's going to be my theme song. And that's the only music you need, unless you want a bed of music underneath the rest of it. You can get more complex as you get followers and you you have maybe AdSense coming in, you can increase your budget. And that's what I did incrementally. So there's so many ways to to do it that you don't have to have a big budget. You just, you know, get creative, follow your heart, think through it, watch YouTube, do watch tutorials. Gosh, people have so much out there, resources for you to learn um, how to do things effectively and how to make it fun for your for your viewers. Well, that's seriously what I find so impressive talking to you about is the fact that you just make it work. Like you don't, you know, it's, I have this saying, and it's not my saying, it's, uh, it's one that I learned uh, in reading a book by Bernard Motassier, who's this really famous French sailor, right? And we, oui. uh, yeah, we, oui, we, oui. <laughs> and he would always say, um, the work, you know, the work teaches you the work. And that, and that's, that's what I find so impressive with everything that you've done, which by the way, your, your bio, like the amount of titles that you had, I couldn't even, I wanted to fit them all into your intro, but I didn't know if we would have the time because you've just done every piece of the film and the production and the marketing. And I mean, it's just super incredible, like the kind of stuff that you're doing, but you're right in a sense that, that I think the most important skill that you, any human being could ever have is the ability to take what's in their head and actually manifest it, like put it into the world, right. And create it. And, and, and for anybody that's listening to this, 
and think, oh man, everything that Lyndon just said, it sounds like a lot of work. It can be. It certainly can be for sure. But what you don't see is that the minute that you start to get a little bit of momentum, right, it's addicting, right? It actually becomes pleasurable to try and figure out how to find, you know, music and put it in. And then you start to see, man, I could have, I had this idea and now, and now it's starting to become a thing. I mean, I don't know. You, you might, you, I know that you have to agree with that because I'm sure that infectious enthusiasm for what you're doing. I mean, that's where it stems from. It is. It's so much fun. I mean, and, and this, I might be jump, I might be jumping ahead here, but when, when we talk about how do you achieve things, you know, you have this big goal that almost it's intimidating, right? So I remember when I was shampooing my hair and I thought of the idea for mermaid minute and I was like, Oh my gosh, I've got to do this. I have to make this little show and it's just going to be one minute. And Oh my goodness gracious. I'm not sitting here saying it's easy. I'm not because <laughs> that would be a lie. It takes a lot of work and dedication, persistence, planning, discipline. Um, and, you know, some people have that personality type. And I think that that's what makes um, a natural solopreneur or even an entrepreneur who learns to delegate things accordingly and, and ration things out. If they don't have a strength in a certain area, it's really great to find that trusted individual or team of people who you know you can say hey oh you know how I hate numbers here you go you do your magic with the numbers and that's that's me (laughs) I'm like numbers no um but creative things and everything else when you start and you have this big vision like I did with mermaid minute back in 2011 I had this idea burst into my brain coral and I was like okay how do I do this and for a long time I just kind of thought oh my gosh like I couldn't wait to get started but I was overwhelmed because I'm like where do I start what do I do what's the first step where do I begin so my process for that is pretty simple you sit down and you take a piece of paper or maybe you type it if you're if you're more digitally inclined and you start with Z what is Z Z is the final product. Z is the end of the alphabet and you work backward. And then you have these little teeny tiny bite-sized steps. And if you just do one at a time, just choose one for each day. And if you actually achieve that one and get it done earlier than anticipated, oh my gosh, try doing another one. Right. Maybe you'll get ahead of schedule. And and that's what I've done. And and like you said, you know, one of my favorite quotes, my my dear friend years ago, Nico said this to me, and I don't know who originally said it, but I've, I've heard it since in other places. Somebody said this originally, and it's how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And I love that thing. And it's very applicable to following, pursuing, and then achieving our goals and dreams. I believe everything is possible. Everything. When you look at all the people in the world, all of the things that have been invented, accomplished, created, produced, dreamed up, manifested, of course you can do what you dream. Of course you can. I I became a, a mythical creature for a living and have been doing it for over a decade. So I think you can do yours too. I promise it's possible. You just have to believe in it. And then you convince others that, oh, yeah, well, I want to get on board with this dream. How can I support this person? You don't have to do it alone. And so don't be intimidated, but take that list, start with your Z and then work your way back to A and then do it, you know, sequentially in a digestible bite-sized way and only focus on that one thing at a time. 
And it's amazing what you can accomplish and how easy it feels when you break it down. It stops the overwhelm. Yeah, exactly. Because that overwhelm paralyzes people. But when you just do one thing a day, you look back at that week and you say, man, I actually got a lot done this week, right? And that gives you the the drive to go again another week, you know, keep going, keep doing it. Uh, And, you know, it's a perfect segue. What you said, as far as starting from Z and working back to A, when you started, when you were shampooing your hair, right, and you have this idea for Mermaid Minute, that and that maybe was your Z or pretty close to your Z. Mm-hmm. How you knew that that you wanted to, one, entertain people, two, educate them. How did you go about putting it together and mixing those two, right? What was your thought process with that? Ah, uh, well, for me, when I, when I have a concept for an idea of a show or for production, um, there's kind of a, a there's an organic process to the uh the schedule <laughs> if that makes sense so i give myself the license the creative license to as i'm going through this kind of stringent list of tasks to you know eat this elephant for lack of a better term um i give myself during the freedom in each step to say oh wow I thought maybe finding music to go under this would be like this, but it actually turned into that. Instead of finding and licensing music, I actually want to compose my own. Ooh, I just gave myself a lot more steps and bites there that I've got to write down. And I did that with season one. I did. I actually recorded my own music and had a friend who produces and composes help me put it all together. So sometimes things don't turn out the way we expect, or we discover that there's more depth to a step than we anticipated. And that's okay, too. Then you get to have little micro steps or sub steps underneath that one bite, as it were. And so I start usually, how do I edutain? How do I combine that? Well, I know there's information I want to convey. So that part of it is, for me, the easy part, finding and researching the information that I wish to impart to the world, whoever wishes to watch this Z that I'm producing through the A's and the Y's getting there. And then the, 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 I think the, the trickiest part might be finding ways to make it entertaining. So for me, because my demographic is children, um, I want to make it visually colorful, uh, a little bit more fast paced because their little attention spans are getting shorter, which I don't, I don't love, but it's something that is a reality now. So that's why I thought, okay, one minute, how much information can I possibly pack in one minute? And I was shocked (laughs) at how much information I was able to crunch into 60 seconds of, of just edutainment and Oh my gosh. I mean, it takes me days to put together one minute of content. The easy part is getting the opening and the closing bumpers. You know, that it's like a, a template. So I start with saying, okay, I'm going to have a 10 second opening, 10 seconds of music or 15, whatever you please, 30. If it, it's something you want to be longer format, maybe to make it reciprocal to the length of your content. But you have your opening, you have your closing with your credits. If you have visual credits, you have your music beds on either end of that. And then you have this window of possibility in between the opening and the closing. So I start with, okay, here's the information. That's great. Then I pick music. Music sets the tone for me. And whether you have the consistent music you always use underneath, maybe you don't have any music at all. That's up to you. I edit to a rhythm. I find that it engages you. It pulls it all together beautifully when you have that music bed underneath. 
and you lay that audio track in and then you lay your your um your voiceover and then you edit the clips and the visuals to that audio that's already laid out for you works so much better that way so much the worst thing that you can see is when the music was thought of last in a video, right? Where it's where it's some beautifully shot, you know, edited very well, and then there's some kind of half-assed track that, that they just pulled from somewhere and put it over, and it doesn't match the feel at all. It's amazing how emotive the music is. I agree. And for me, music's really important. And it does, it drives me. And I know that I have a trained eye and ear. So perhaps it's more exaggerated to me than someone else who's just watching something um, passively. I notice when the audio track is dissonant with the visual, if the cuts aren't lining up with a beat or rhythm, or if there's no rhyme or reason to the cuts or the lengths of the clips. And and I guess over time, you just develop as an editor and a storyteller, you develop this um, kind of internal metronome for what feels right, for how long you need to see verbiage on the screen. You know, did I have enough time to read that? Was it too long? Was I sitting and waiting? Um, and also, but bearing in mind, someone might read more slowly than someone else or you or more quickly. So it's finding this balance of the music the rhythm of the visuals, having a blend of one image that dissolves or cuts into another, adding humor, um, adding sound effects, adding um, other little embellishments on the screen that might punctuate a fact or a visual. So it's not just auditory. And nowadays, a lot of people have those blurbs on the bottom of the screen so that if you are in an office setting or maybe a child's watching and mom's like, honey, mute that. It's, I'm trying to listen to your father, whatever. And they, you mute it and you can still read the facts on the screen and see the visuals. You wanted to, if you hit mute on your, uh, your track that you've created, on your video you've created, what does that do for you? Is it still fulfilling? Do you still learn? Do you understand the essence of the video? There's so many layers you can add in as a storyteller and filmmaker for edutainment purposes or porpoises. <laughs> <laughs> well, as honestly, like as you're talking about this, I'm thinking to myself, there's no tougher crowd than children, like to, in order to keep their keep their uh, attention. You know, there's no tougher crowd because if they don't like something, they'll tell you, they'll be like, nope, nope, not interested, move on to the next thing. And so all of those, all of those little elements that you're talking about that bring people in, you know, you, you envelop them and it brings them into the story, brings them into the content in various sensory ways, right? Auditory, right? The visuals, right? Just how the whole thing just feels it's so important to do. So I, I couldn't agree more, 100%. Yeah, it's so much fun. It is. It's a ton of fun. <laughs> and, and that's another good key point is if it's fun for you to watch, like if you get excited watching what you've created, that's a good indicator that other people are going to find it fun too. And again, running it by someone who's in the target audience that you're looking to please and edutain is a really great way. And for me, it was my niece. It was wonderful. And then eventually I'd send it to friends with kids or family members who have children or work with kids or whatever and say, hey, can you just see if the kids will watch this? And it was so rewarding, exciting, and fun to hear excited little voices you know, on the phone. Oh, hey, you know, someone would call me. We just watched your mermaid minute. Yeah. And the kids would be in the background. Oh, we loved it. Oh, <laughs> you went on dolphin. 
Simmons, you know, or whatever it was. And, and then requests start coming in for content, which is just the coolest feeling. It's, oh my gosh. <laughs> Like, not only did I make it fun for me, there are actually other people enjoying it. Yay! Yeah, they're feeling it. Like, just like you said, the minute that you get involved and happy and and, and excited and uh, about it, like, people follow suit. And so, yeah. as you do this, if we had to distill everything that you've said down to, mm. you know, essentially, how would you start? Like, one, one important thing on creating really good edutainment and starting what would you say that would be? Know your content. First, know the information. Be passionate about the information, whatever it is you're trying to convey. Um, let's like come up with another example that's not ocean edutainment for kids that's maybe more relatable. Okay, so let's say you are a craft arts and crafts person. You're very passionate about sharing with your viewers um, the possibilities of doing arts and crafts of different sorts that you can do at home with maybe things around the house, okay? Something relatable. Um, all right, so think of if you're going to do a series of edutainment, uh, you want to create an idea of, okay, how many episodes do I want? So that's the first thing is to come up with, okay, if I'm doing a season or this is just ongoing I'm going to start with a minimum amount. And I really recommend having, as we say, a bunch of things in the can already so that you aren't feeling pressure and stress. If you're doing a weekly, for example, maybe you're doing every week, maybe you're doing an episode every month, say you're a YouTuber, you want to create on your channel consistency. That's super important. So your viewers know when to tune in. Okay, well, I know that every Tuesday at 10 a.m., um, Arts and Crafts Sally posts up her video and you, you want people to know to go to the channel and you want people to subscribe to you. Consistency is king when it comes to the release of your content. So, okay, let's say you want to do 10 episodes to start. You're like, okay, I'm going to start this YouTube channel. I want to do 10 episodes on Arts and Crafts. Then you get to sit down and come up with your 10 ideas. What are the 10 topics? What are those 10 episodes? What do they look like? Okay, cool. Then you get this... Um, recipe for your episode outlining. Like I, I would always say, like I said previously, have your bumpers, as we call it, the things at the front and the end, the bookends of your of your show, of your series. So you might want to have that consistent like dun 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 bring. Yeah. And there's your opening and it's like ding. And there's, you know, Sally with her arts and crafts, like with a title, whatever it is, you have your bumper in the beginning and then maybe the closing one. And maybe it's the same dun, 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 And it's at the end too. And you have any little credits you want. Okay. So you have that. And then, you know, I want my episodes to be a certain length of time. I'm very formulaic that way. I love knowing, okay, here's my audio track for the opening. Here's my music bed. I've laid it down and there's my closing. And then you actually on your timeline to edit, you have a visual of your episode. And then it, it just, it's like plug and play. It's pieces that fall into place much more easily that way. When you have a formula and little blocks, you are elephant bite sizing your editing. Yep. So that's a great way for me. That's a system I love. Everyone's different, but this is what I love to do. So for Mermaid Minute, it was great. It's like, okay, here's my opening. I really loved it. It was, I added a lot of production value to it. I have animation. I have fun titles. I have sparkles. Um, I have ocean creatures. And I have this great music that really makes me happy. And every time you hear that audio cue, it's like, oh, 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 it's coming on. Like for the kid who's going to watch it at the 
end delivery of your your viewer. And then here you are, you have this recipe, as it were, for your episode. So find your music you love, um, and then create your audio track. If you're going to be on camera, doing the talking and demonstrating like Sally might be on camera showing you how to do these things. Or maybe you're not seeing her face and you're just seeing her hands doing the the skills or the things. And that way it's much easier to narrate and do voiceover as well. And again, you know, writing that script out, having an outline in advance and then putting the visuals on top, I find it's a really great way to do it. And then once you have the base, embellish give it jewelry, you know, add a timer in the bottom, um, add little um, emojis or fun things on the screen as you're going through stuff, add sound effects, you know, as you're folding something, make it the and you can do all this, you can speed it up, you can slow it down. Like, there's so many fun things you can do in post production or editing to make it fun, engage your viewer, add the titles at the end, since you have your script, you can then just type it all out, you know, put your your titles on the bottom. So even if they're on mute, they can see the steps and read the steps. Um, they might be missing all that fun audio that you worked so hard on, but at least they can see and read what you're doing. Um, I don't know. That's, that's a, a nutshell It's so good. Version. No, honestly, for those that are listening, I hope you guys are taking notes because not only did what you just say in the last like five minutes, incredible, like an incredible breakdown of how to do this. But, but, you know, you were hearing it from somebody that is, that actually has done this over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Right. That especially what you said about the audio cue, that's so important because because it could be on in another room and then they hear that audio and they're like, Oh man, I got to go over there and check it out. Like that's, that's exactly what happens. It's how people behave. And by the way, before we move on, I just got to put this comment up because, uh, because I thought this was so good. Right. David said, this is exceptional. I love Lyndon. And I just met her through you, Joshua. You have a new fan. (laughs) Hi David. (laughs) Yeah, this is, I mean, so like really the, the stuff that you are, talking about now there's a lot of people i'm sure that are watching and or listening to this that um that really struggle with putting together these videos because of the overwhelm because of how much there is to it it's it's a lot harder when you start putting it together yourself a lot of times when you shoot you have an idea in your head but then you shoot it and it doesn't quite come out the way that you thought and you think to yourself how like man this this is way harder than i thought it was going to be you know maybe i'll just leave it to the experts and, uh, and it doesn't have to be that way. Like you just start with that base that you were talking about and, and find those little you know bumpers and then know your content, know how you can make it accessible to people and then figure out cool, creative ways to do it. I love it. Seriously. This has been awesome. Yeah. Well, Tripods, man. Tripods are your best friend. Like if you don't have a shooter yourself and you're either on camera, like that was a huge challenge for me. And I'm in a 50 pound silicone tail. Um, I eventually, I, I tried to shoot it on my 50, own. 50 pounds. Yeah, with this crazy prosthetic tail. And um, I eventually was like, oh my gosh, I cannot do this totally by myself with a tripod because I'd realized like I, I had, it, this is, you know, years ago and I had this camera that um, had one of the little screens you could reverse so you could see what was on the screen. But I was over on the floor in this tail that I had to like get into. And I'm trying to do this against this fabric green screen from Joanne Fabrics that I bought, you know, like clipped with clamps that I got, you know, out of the garage. 
to the ceiling and parts of the wall. I don't even know. It was so <laughs> ramshackle, oh crazy God. process. And I was like, okay, oh my gosh, I need to tilt left or pan left and I can't get up. I'm in a 50 pound tail. You humans have it so easy. You can do this. You can move around and ambulate or get a friend to help. So I eventually did. I was like, oh, my friends, John and Nicole were so sweet. And they were like, come on to our place. It's much bigger because I was living in this little teeny studio. They're like, we have high ceilings. We can help you with the, the camera stuff. And they were so wonderful. And just having those people helping me. And again, be, don't be afraid to ask for help. People want to help you. When you have a, a goal and you're really excited about it, other people get on board with you. So ask, ask for help. And tripods are great. <laughs> tripods are key. And you're right about the, and people want to help. It's like, how many times have you, if you had somebody over to your house, you've invited them into your home and you say, hey, I want to make you comfortable. Uh, would you like some water, tea, coffee, something like that? And they say, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I don't want to impose, right? It's the exact opposite of what you would think. You... <clears throat> You want to let them help you. They want to make you feel better. And it's the same, same idea. People, you have a vision. You're excited about it. People want to help see you realize that in some way. So I totally agree. I, uh, I want to say, though, if you, had to, if you had to paint a picture of what, what would happen if somebody just consistently started breaking down their videos into steps, right? Mm -hmm. Just over maybe 30 days, if they did that little steps every day, where would you expect in your experience, that they would end up? Oh, wow. I have always been amazed at when I have my little journal and my elephant bites broken down into steps. If you are disciplined and you stick to your elephant bites, you're going to be amazed at what you can accomplish just in a week, sometimes in a day, because you'll surprise yourself if you if you can eliminate distractions. I mean, I am notorious for distractions, especially it's so funny in, in my space because I, I work in my studio space. You know, this is my grotto. I live here. It's under 400 square feet, but it's got everything I need to get my things done. And so I can easily get distracted. Like, for example, I'll see, no kidding, a hummingbird outside the window. I'm like, oh, hummingbirds. I'm going to go out on the deck for a minute and watch them. Or, <laughs> or you know, someone will text me. And so sometimes I have to shut the curtains. I have to turn off my ringer and my notifications on my phone I need to make sure for me, if my space is clean, my head is clean, you know, so I'll, I'll make sure everything is kind of in its little place and I can sit down and just focus on the task at hand. I encourage you to find ways to eliminate distractions and then you can take those elephant bites and really dive in and get them going, get your process started. And when you can laser focus on something, another trick I'll do, I'll set timers for myself. I will say, okay, I'm giving myself 30 minutes for, for my, um, we'll pick a letter of my A to Z. Let's say I'm at H. I'm giving myself 30 minutes to get H done. Even if it's not perfect, what can I accomplish? And I'll be like, okay, go. And I'm like, oh, and I start furiously looking for an audio track or, or seeing if I can get done the first factoid or three factoids in the mermaid minute um, that takes up the first 20 seconds or whatever it is. Challenge yourself, make it fun, make it a game. One of my favorite things, my favorite um, kind of mantras is I choose to make this fun and easy. 
I'm choosing to make this fun and easy. And how can I make it more fun? How can I make it easier? Okay, well, let's make a game out of it. Okay, here's my timer. Go. And then I start doing the thing. And then it's really neat to see. Sometimes I'll look. I'm like, oh, my God, I still have 10 minutes. And I've gotten this done. So if you really put that pressure cooker on yourself, even though it's self-imposed, you know, sometimes I make the joke, you know, my, my boss is really demanding. She, she can be a real bee sometimes. Well, that's me. I'm cracking the whip on myself and I'm going to get this thing done. Um, so how can you accomplish? Yeah. Yeah. In 30 days. That timer and the timer thing is key, right? Because it just forces you to make decisions, Mm -hmm. right? Just make decisions and move on. Don't, don't wait around and, you know, and, and decide maybe back and forth. Like, should I do this? Should I do that? Like, just do it, just do it, make a decision, move on. Let's move to the next thing. That's how progress is made. And I love the timers because you, yeah, you know, you just, you force yourself to make those decisions, forcible priorities. I love it. Yeah, my friend Rick taught me that one. My friend Rick Frazier, he's an amazing underwater photographer and videographer. And one day I was actually working on my first episode of Mermaid Minute ever. And he was like, oh, I'm working on this project too. We were on the phone. He's like, okay, let's set a timer and hold ourselves accountable. I'll call you back in 30 minutes and we'll see what we got done. I was like, oh, this is awesome. So I can thank Rick for that. Everyone, thank you, Rick, for that wonderful little tidbit that I've now been using for years and has really worked well. Rick, thank you so much, man. Don't know you, but now I feel like I do in a little bit. Uh, so that's, yeah, yeah, this, I mean, honestly, that's, uh, that's such an important thing. It's just like knowing yourself, just being able to know yourself and understand how you, uh, you know, how you work and, and how you learn and how you best perform. I can tell you that if you are doing all of your work and like just living in general in the same space, it does make it seemingly in my experience a little bit harder too, because uh, cause it's just, you know, it's just, it's just hard to concentrate sometimes, you know? Yeah, it can be. And, um, and there's that double-edged sword of, oh, I'm in the comfort of my home, but, oh, I'm in the comfort of my home. <laughs> so, you know, being able to have everything in one space is great in some ways, but it's also evil because there's no separation from your personal space and your workspace. Like for me, that's how it's always been. I've always, I love small spaces. Um, so for me, minimalism is nice, but not, not for everyone. Some people need a separate office space or they have to go to Starbucks or someplace that's away from all the distractions of home to really accomplish things. So that's up to you. If you've got a portable editing situation, I unfortunately don't, it's somewhat portable, but it's a 12 terabyte hard drive. I'm and two screens. I'm not taking that to Starbucks. So (laughs) make it work here at the grotto. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, uh, you know, I, I have to say that, um, the craziest thing that I ever saw on a Starbucks, cause I do a lot of editing, but I only do it on one laptop. But the craziest thing I ever saw was these, this couple that came in, they just had all these backpacks on and they, they sat down at the handicap table, you know, the one that you're not supposed to sit at unless you're in a wheelchair kind of thing, or it's the very last table that's available. And they, uh, they put their backpacks down, they each get a coffee and then they proceed to start pulling out all of this equipment. They set up an entire call center and then they just sat there for hours and ran a huge like customer service call center from Starbucks. That's pretty extreme. Uh, wow. How does yeah. Starbucks feel about that? Are they I, even permitted to say you can't do that here? <laughs> I don't know. They, they let them do it. I wonder, I wondered that too, whether or not they do that on the regular or that was just like a one-time thing. Um, pretty, pretty shellfish of them. What if someone came in and needed that table legitimately, you know, someone who needed a handicap table, but okay. I mean, I guess you got to do what you got to do. I admire the audacity in certain ways, but not in others. I don't know. Crazy. It was, but I agree. Like, uh, 
like if you have the ability um, to go portable, for me too, um, it's ironic. It's, it's almost like counterintuitive that being at Starbucks kind of helps you focus, but some people just need to get out um, and, and just experience. I like being in a room where there's life kind of happening around me because it's a constant reminder that, uh, that what I'm doing, usually the work that I'm doing, that, I'm, that there's something going on outside the screen. Uh, mm-hmm. I think subconsciously, I just, I really appreciate that. So I can completely relate to what you're talking about. And, uh, and so before we go, cause this is honestly in Dave's words here, and I'll put this up. This has been one hell of a masterclass as Aww. far as creating, just creating video, creating the steps to, to, to edutain people and to really wrap them in and, and, you know, help them become part of your journey. So how do people, now, what do you got going on in your life? How do people get in touch with you? If they got more questions for Mermaid Linden, where do they go? Oh, my goodness. Oh, well, first of all, Dave, I'm so excited that you are learning so much. And yes, you or anyone else who, who has been watching this or is going to watch the replay of it, um, you can reach me on my website through mermaidsinmotion.com. Um, I am always happy to, to kelp you out and answer any questions that you may have. And I mean, this is, it's something that is so rewarding and wonderful. Um, I'm up to all sorts of things. I am an entrepreneur made and I am a solopreneur. So I do constantly, um, come up with new ideas. I'm always implementing new things, uh, whether it's doing product design, writing up um, new scripts for ideas, uh, creating different outlets, creative outlets for my passions. Um, gosh, I mean, it's, it's infinite. There's an abyss of opportunities out there. So I'm always working on different things. But yes, mermaids in motion, plural, many mermaids in motion.com is how you can reach me. I have um, a contact form through my site, please shoot me an, uh, an, a sea snail mail if you'd like. And um, any questions, ideas, thoughts that you want to bounce off, I'm really honored and happy to to help in any way with your dreams if I can. That's that's awesome and very generous of you. And uh, I'll put up one more comment here from another David that says, agreed, really enjoyed the segment. Lots of great info. Thank you both. I agree. Like, honestly, Lyndon, from the things that you have said on this episode and just the stuff that you have done in your life, I can't think of a better person to emulate when it comes to when it comes to taking their creative genius and putting it out into the world. And I'm speechless. Takes a lot. <laughs> yeah. So it, this has been an amazing conversation. So thank you so much for being here and being on the show. I really appreciate it. I'm honored, and thank you for doing what you're doing. This is amazing, Josh and Fire Builders. Whoop whoop. <laughs> fires all over the place keep the fires burning that's you can right. do everything that's right got to start small and work your way up one one bite at a time you know yep so uh so okay well guys i hope you enjoyed this episode uh again fire builders we stream live every monday through saturday at 12 p.m eastern we bring on all these great guests like Lyndon. we break down goals into simple steps so i hope you enjoyed this one Uh, This is Josh and Lyndon signing off for another episode. All right, guys. Adios. See you later.